Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Welcome back to the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Last week, I shared all about my distance learning experience and some tips of you to make the best out of it and make it a little bit less stressful for you all. I had so much great feedback from you all, especially reaching out on Instagram, telling me how helpful it was for you and thanking me for all those free resources. And I am so pleased to hear that. Honestly, it still feels a little crazy when I'm sat here on my desk with my little microphone chatting away, especially when it's usually to a computer screen. So when I hear how helpful you find my episodes and the resources, it honestly makes my day. And I'm just glad that my experience and words are able to help you all. Like I mentioned last week, each week now, I'm going to be talking about something either distance learning related or tips for going back to school, however that may look for us. And in today's episode, I'm talking all about how to communicate with parents during distance learning. If you've read my blog posts, followed me on social media, or followed me anywhere really and spent some time listening to me, you'll know that above everything else, the one thing that I always recommend is to build strong, professional and positive relationships with your students' families and there's a number of reasons why. First, they know your students best. They spend every hour of every day with them. Well, not every hour, but they spend most of the time with them. They've watched them grow, progress, change. They know things about them that you just won't know and this can be a lifesaver, especially if you're trying to figure out maybe a trigger or behaviour. By having those strong relationships, it also means you're able to communicate more effectively between you all. Remember, at the end of the day, you all have the same goal. That's the student. Everyone's on the same side. You all want what's best for your student. And that brings us to today. Communication is key in the classroom. But for distance learning, it's the biggest part of the puzzle to keep everything running smoothly. And let's look at why. First of all, if you have good relationships with your students' families and you're communicating well, then distance learning is probably going to look like this. Number one, everyone knows what's happening and when. Number two, families know what to expect from you. Number three, They can prepare the student for what's coming and what you have planned. And number four, if something just really isn't working, they feel comfortable telling you that and being open with you. But if you don't have those strong relationships and the communication isn't quite there, then distance learning is probably going to look a little like this. Number one, nobody knows what's happening or when it's happening. Number two, This means they aren't preparing your student. Number three, families have no idea what's going on. Are you providing services? What are you doing? What should they be doing? What should their child be doing? And number four, 
they've attended sessions, but they just aren't working for their child. And they don't know how to tell you that. So instead, they might just keep turning up and hoping for the best, or they stop turning up and hope you won't notice. Think of it like going on a first date. I know this sounds crazy, bear with me. If you've been chatting with someone for a while before the first date, you're going to be a bit more comfortable. At least I hope so. You'll be more comfortable discussing where to go on your date, making decisions, what you don't want to do, where it's going to take place, what you should wear. The whole process is a lot more comfortable when you're talking between each other, when you've already built that relationship and you've already been speaking for a few months already. But if you're on a date with someone you've never spoken to before and you're just sent this email telling you where to be and when, that's it. Things are already going to be a little bit awkward. And when you come face to face, it's that awkward conversation. Where to start? What to talk about? What questions to ask? Make it a priority from day one to always build relationships with students' families. It is never time wasted. And I promise it pays off in the long run especially when we've all been thrown into distance learning recently and having those strong relationships really made things even easier. But back to today's topic, I actually wasn't planning on making this a podcast episode or a blog post or anything really until it started being one of the most common questions that I was being asked. How can I communicate effectively with parents doing distance learning? My first answer is, don't overthink it. How would you communicate with them normally if you were still in school? So I have parents who prefer email. I have parents who prefer a phone call. Everyone is slightly different, like you and your friends probably are. You may prefer texting, your friend may prefer a phone call, someone else may prefer video calls. Everyone's slightly different. So today I'm gonna talk about the different methods of communicating with parents while distance learning, because this is something you may still be doing right now and in the new school year. So first up is email. And I go first with this just because I love how much easier everything is when it's done on email. There's a few reasons why I suggest this as the basis for communication. Number one, you have a record of things that are being discussed going back and forth. That's your evidence. Number two, it's easy to attach images or files to send. Number three, you can also send a group email all at once if needed or copy and paste the email body and make communicating with parents even quicker and easier. And number four, almost everyone has an email these days and it can be accessed on a computer, a laptop, a tablet, a phone, Pretty much everyone has access to it. Next up are phone calls. Whenever I mention phone calls to family members in front of other educators, I'm always met with a bunch of panicked looks. I don't know what it is, but so many educators dread phoning home. Actually, I tell a lie. I have some ideas of why this is. For a lot of educators, the only time you phone home is when something bad has happened and you're wary of how the family are going to react to the bad news you're about to give them. 
and this makes you associate every phone call with a negative feeling. Think of a dentist. Let's face it, when you get a phone call from the dentist, you know it's because either your checkup is due or something's wrong. There's never just a nice conversation from the dentist that you're looking forward to, is there? But if you do have that experience, hit me up and let me know who your dentist is, because I would love that. Just kidding. Anyway, make a mental note to start phoning home about good things as well. So maybe check in with them. How are they doing? You just wanted to phone home and let them know that Alex got a certificate this week because he was amazing at math. Or Julia went to the toilet independently for the first time. I know, I know, I'm adding more to your plate. And when I say this, a lot of you always say, but what if the parents keep me on the phone for ages? Just make it clear when you start the conversation. Hi, Maureen, do you have a quick five minutes? I'll be super quick as I have to get back to class. I just wanted to let you know. And instantly, you've told them this is going to be quick. You've told them you have to get back to class. If they start asking more questions, just say, I'm really sorry, Maureen, I have to get back to class. But you can send me an email with all that and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. There's just a way to shut down conversations. Don't fear it. Let them know about other ways to connect with you. But the more positive interactions you have on the phone with your parents, the better you're going to feel about phoning them. And thus the easier the communication is on the phone. Text messages are brought up a lot. And I personally don't do this. Only because it means giving out your phone number. Do you really want parents and family members having access to your personal number? If you have a works phone, great. I don't know many people that do. um, But if you have one, you know, and that works for you, that's great. If not, just be sure that you are 100% okay with this. Honestly, for a text message, I feel like this could just be given as an email without giving away your personal phone number. Video calls have also worked great for me during distance learning. So I use the Zoom platform and I give parents a time slot. Now, I don't do this often, literally once a month at the end of the month, just to check in with them and see how everything is going, if I can help with anything from an educational point of view. These don't have to be long calls. They can just be 10 minutes. It's also a great way for you to chat about progress, IEP targets, And having that face-to-face conversation makes it a lot easier than a phone call or an email because you can see someone's reactions. I meet a lot of people who get anxious with emails or text messages and even social media posts because they don't know what tone of voice the text has been written in. Are they angry, happy, sad, annoyed, frustrated, worried? It's really hard because... We will naturally read the text in our tone of voice for what we think is correct. But with a phone call, we can hear that tone of voice better. And for a video call, we can also see those accompanying facial features and reactions and we can get a better understanding of the way that the conversation is going. Monthly newsletters are also working really well. So I've always sent home a monthly newsletter anyway and I'll link to some editable ones in the show notes for you to try out. Before distance learning, I would print these out and send them home. Now, I just save them as images or PDF files, 
and I email them home. I include information about what's coming up in the next month, a recap of that month, any special shout-outs or birthday mentions. It's just a quick and easy way to keep everyone up to date with what's coming up. I also put reminders in here of sessions that we have planned, especially if we have a themed session like Beauty and the Beast. So those are my best tips for communicating with parents during distance learning. For a quick recap, here are those suggestions in a really quick and easy overview. Number one, email. Number two, phone calls. Number three, video messages using services like Zoom or Skype. Number four, newsletters, printed out or emailed home. Number five, text messages. I've kept this for last because this is my least favorite way of keeping in touch, just because of that personal data and everything that I said earlier on. Also, a lot of schools don't allow this, so make sure you're reading your contract and stick into those rules in the school policies. I hope you found this podcast episode helpful for ways that you can effectively communicate with your students, parents and families during distance learning. Tune in next week to find out some of my best tips for how you can build relationships with your new students for the new school year if you're still doing distance learning. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you again soon.